0: So uh, so uh, I am married to the most beautiful person in the world, inside and out. I am thankful for all 20 years that we will be celebrating on May 25th of this year. Thank you. Have a great date night. <laughs> um. <laughs> About a year or so after Holly and I were uh, married... Um, I was uh, invited to uh, be one of the speakers at a Men's Promise Keeper rally in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And at the time, uh, you know, we, we, were, we were living in Baton Rouge, and uh, and I was really honored to be asked to speak. Um, we showed up to the stadium. Uh, I had to be there early for mic check, find my place on the podium, figure out where I was in the lineup of speakers, all that fun stuff. Uh, Holly stayed in, in the car, um, just kind of, I think she did some reading, was just kind of hanging out there. She didn't have to come into the stadium at that time. And so uh, a little later on, uh, she um, she was walking into the stadium and on her way up the sidewalk, she was uh, kindly greeted by several men who were wanting to just really go overboard uh, to make sure that she was welcome. She got the five-star treatment. This is a men's rally, right? And she's walking up, and, uh, I mean, they are just going, a five-star elite status treatment for Holly. And uh, later, as I was hearing how she was treated, I was thinking, you know, I had no idea they thought I was such a big deal. This is awesome. Um, My head was really starting to swell until I got the rest of the story. The rest of the story was that uh, the promise keepers were under fire at that point from feminists around the country because of their stance on things like Ephesians chapter 5 and this whole topic of submission. Um, And so it was believed that there were going to be a lot of feminists there uh, marching against the rally. And uh, our uh, promise keeper organization as great as they were, uh, had decided that they were going to go overboard uh, to love those women of whom they believed Holly was one of them. (laughs) So it really wasn't about me. They didn't know she was connected to me. And when we discovered that, you know, uh, Holly laughed a lot and I was humbled. And the controversy surrounding that event is in... The book of Ephesians. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I invite, that you, invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, tonight we're going to look at this concept, and if we really get it, if we really want to walk in it, then what's going to happen is the impact is going to be great on our relationships. What if the adults in our churches passed on this concept to the next generation? What if we really, through the way that we lived and the way that we taught God's word and what it has to say about relationships, if we pass this on to the next generation, it would be one of the greatest gifts that we could give them. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, the Christians that are there in that moment, the new church that has been created. And uh, Ephesus is, is where modern-day Turkey is, and I don't know if any of your kids are Bible drillers, but I've, I've thought before, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of sad in, in a way that, that it wasn't called Turkey back then, because my kids would have loved to say Turkey as they were turning in the Scriptures. But we're going to turn not into Turkey, but we're going to turn into Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That right there is really the most significant verse that we are going to attach meaning to tonight. Not that they're all not significantly meaningful, but that's where we zero in our attention. It continues, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands, and it starts to get really controversial at this point, because even in our culture today, where Uh, Men and women are seen as equal, co-equal. Everything has to be exactly equal. This right here starts to go, whoa, wait a minute. How does that kind of connect to this passage? And some would say, well, head doesn't really mean head. It doesn't really mean... And I like what John Piper says about this. He says, you know, here's the reality. When this was being written, everybody understood that the head was leading the body. In that day and age, it was understood. In the Old Testament, it was synonymous with leader, the word head. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, it speaks about Christ being the head of everything. I think as Piper starts to unpack this, what he comes to the conclusion of is we wouldn't have nearly as much of a problem with this passage if we just understood it and tweaked it a bit to see Men as true servant leaders within their families. And what does that look like? For Christ certainly was the ultimate and is the ultimate servant leader. We don't have to go very far. We just go a little further in the Gospels into the book of John to find where he exhibited the ultimate act of sacrifice for all of us. Prior to that even with the disciples, before he got to the cross, Wiping their feet with that towel. Taking on the role of a servant. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but... nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Regardless of what members sit on our Supreme Court, regardless of what decisions come out of it, it's hard to ignore what Scripture says about marriage in this passage. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we take that word, submit, and we circle it. What does it mean? It means to place yourself under one's authority. Essentially, in relationships, I'm to put you first and you're to put me first. So how does that work, Randy? Well, here's how it works. We're about to say amen in a little bit, and we'll all go out to date night, and we're going to have a great time together. We leave our kids here, and all of a sudden we realize it takes 10 minutes for everybody to get out the door because it's like, we'll know after you, we'll know after you, we'll know after you. And then we hop in our car, you know, and we're like, well, where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And finally, rock, paper, scissors determines it. And we go to the restaurant and it's like, we're 10 minutes trying to get in and finally the only way we can actually go in the doors is if people were coming out of them at the same time. And We finally come back and we're so frustrated and tired and it's like, oh man, I don't know about this you first, no you first mentality, Randy. That's not working for me. And you think, well, that's really silly. That's not really what he's talking about. No. Paul starts with a command, submit to each other, and then he gets specific, he He dives into marriage and then speaks about parent-child relationships and speaks about the relationship between a master and a servant. And in each one of those relationships, he says to submit. And at some point, we're probably inclined to wonder, does that mean that, I mean, kids are supposed to, like they're permitted to just tell their mom and dad what they want, you know? I mean, it's like, Are mom and dad supposed to submit to their kids? Is that what we're talking about here? You know, your kid's like, listen, I'm staying up until midnight and I need a dessert. and I need a hundred bucks for shopping tomorrow. And some of you are like, well, that is our relationship. Okay, check. We've done that. We're out of here. (laughs) This passage isn't teaching that either. It's important to see these verses in light of the theme of Paul's letter. If we go all the way back to Ephesians chapter 1, what do we find? We find that he's speaking about the unity of everything in Christ. When he speaks of domestic matters, his relations between a husband and a wife, he's concerned about the unity of everything in Christ, Ephesians 10. That God's purpose is to bring all things into harmony, even husbands and wives. Read it again. Let's go back. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word that Paul uses there for submit is hupotasso, and it's found 23 times in his writings. little background. What's, What's the significance about that word? Before we go to that definition, if we just talk about it in the Greek, what we find is that it's a military term. It has to do with troop divisions in military fashion under the command of a leader. But in non-military use, it's actually, I found this definition, quote, a voluntary attitude of cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. I like this one commentary's definition best, though. I put it up on the screen. It says, to yield or defer out of respect, superior authority, affection, persuasion, or compulsion. What God is telling us is that this principle is to govern us in all relationships in the Lord. And if we're not honoring with each other above the other, then you know what that devolves into? Selfishness. And what happens from that point is pretty simple to discover, right? When we start to get really selfish, if you find a lot of selfishness in your home or in your relationships... How much peace is there? Is that a relationship that's just filled with peace? Peace ultimately is achieved through mutual submission. In, in Ephesians 5.21-33, through 33, Paul gets really specific dealing with these power struggles that we face in human nature. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, and remember, what, what Paul... Paul's starting point is here is, is, is with the bride and groom. No, it's with the Lord. Submission begins with a respect for the Lord who desires that his disciples respect one another, even at home and even between the sexes. It's impor- so it's important for us to understand the context. It's important to attach all of this to verse 21. To be in mutual submission, not mutual dominance. That male and female together kneel before Christ. Humbly saying, you know what? It's not about us. It's ultimately about him. So the woman, it is described in this passage, submits to the man. And the man loves with an agape love. A word that is used to describe a love that sacrifices for the sake of the one who is loved. Genesis 2.20 speaks about a woman being the helper suitable for a man. Colossians 3.18 describes wives submitting as is fitting to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11.3, the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. Do these verses somehow describe for us some inferiority that God has among us? No. But there are those who have tried to distort these verses over the years and created all kind of havoc within relationships in the church and out of it. As Paul was writing to those believers in Ephesus, he wasn't saying women are inferior to men or that they are to be in subjection to men in every situation. The passage isn't teaching, is teaching headship, not dictatorship. It's not teaching, it's teaching servant leadership. It's teaching harmony. In marriage, emotional needs are to be met, sexual needs are to be met. The human race is to be advanced. And in marriage, where there is submission, love, as he describes, cherishing, nourishing, then Christ is honored. But oftentimes, that's not quite where we're headed, is it? I mean, we we try to get there. We try to do what is right. We try to live that way. But we live in an imperfect world. It's not always the case. I was in the hallway over the last week or so, and in a variety of conversations, there's some difficult relationships, even in our church body right now. matter of fact, I would encourage you if you if you're at a really difficult place right now in your relationship, please don't let that go untended un un uh, without help. There are people. Brian A.D. Sanders, there are some great couples here that would love to come alongside you and walk with you to get you to a place of health. To get you to a place where you know we understand that submission, that love, that sacrifice. It takes work. It takes spiritual health. And we want to be a church that helps you get there. Let's go to the heart of the matter. Submission is isn't something that comes naturally. But you know, servanthood isn't something that comes naturally. I would say that forgiveness isn't something that comes naturally. You start opening up these cans, these words that are really big words, that have a lot of weight. What we discover is, we can't do these on our own. That those, those don't occur naturally for us it takes supernatural power because you know what comes naturally for me You know what comes naturally for us is to be served we want to be the boss for christmas our family got one of those um uh it's a it, it, it's it's called a bob sweep you probably know what this is it's kind of, it, we got a really great deal on the it's like the cheap version of the irobot that that circular vacuum cleaner right and so um, a couple of days of vacuuming, as Bob is vacuuming around the house, um, Lindley uh, says, our little four-year-old, she says, I'm the boss of Bob. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, you know it's, it, it was funny to hear her say it, but it made perfectly good sense. I mean, she's lived all of her long four years of life being told what to do by everybody else. She now found someone that she believed she could boss around. Now, if you watch Bob go around the house, I don't see how she's doing it because he just has a mind of his own. But in her mind, she's the boss of Bob. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be walked on. I get it. This whole submission thing, God, why don't we just skip this and go on to something easier, you know? Like singing songs, doing cool things. We like easy. It's easy to come in here and sing some of the songs that have been our favorites that Armstrong has led us in over the last couple of years. We like easy. It's why so many of us have a Keurig. You know, we don't have to deal with the coffee grounds. You don't have to wash the pot even, you know. Just your your coffee mug, that's it. Bob vacuums the floor. I mean, it's easy, right? After I pick everything up and everything possible he could possibly snag and get all the children out of the way and close all the doors we don't want him to go in, it's it's, it's really very easy. In our Amazon, could you please fly my purchase to me on a drone and get it here in an hour culture? We prefer easy. With a side of natural. Natural. But the reality is, what we're talking about here in Scripture is not easy or natural. But it is biblical. Submitting to one another shows reverence and respect for our Savior. And submitting to one another, we are to do so not because the other person deserves it, but out of a reverence for Christ. Notice I'm taking us to the higher place. Not just about marriage. Not just about how we relate to our children. But taking it all the way back to verse 21. If you brought a Bible with you, Ephesians 5.21 is a good place to just write into the corner of it because of Jesus. That's the only way we do this. It's because of Jesus. The scripture doesn't say submit to Jesus out of reverence for Jesus. I mean, we can do that. In this moment, in this place, with these lights dim and these curtains pulled and the band playing a song that we enjoy, that's easy. We can sing and put our hands in the air and talk about submitting to Jesus. But what is written here is that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. How in the world do we do that? This involves accessing the power of God for our daily living because we can't do this on our own. For many of us, what it really might mean is waking up in the morning and just saying, God, I need your power to make it through this day, to live a life that shows Jesus to my spouse and my kids and my coworkers and my friends. I need you, God. I need to live by the power of your spirit, propelled by the truth of your word, or else they are just going to see randy and they're not going to see jesus speaking of one more passage and then we're going to head out to date night in a few minutes philippians 2 1 so if there's any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy Being born in the likeness of men. Jesus, the God man, God in flesh, walking on this earth. And what do the scriptures say about him? He made himself nothing. He took on the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form and he let go of his rights as God. What would you have done? What would I have done? Shown off our rights? Let people know who's boss. Take my right hand who could do absolutely anything because I am God and gone, boom, I want Taco Bueno in my backyard. And you, you cut me off. You knew your lane was ending. You weren't patient. Now you've cut in front of me, and now you're riding a pumpkin. That's what I'd be tempted to do. Count others more significant than yourselves. That's hard. Why? Because it's in our DNA to do what? To pull rank. But I have the right to. In in Cuba, uh, Joe Edwards and I were in Cuba again. It's our, our third trip there in two years. God, is doing amazing things there. I can't wait to talk to you more about it. That's coming, okay? It, I don't have time in this sermon to open that bag, but it is huge what God is up to there and what we are able to partner with. But we're in that moment in Cuba with those church planters, 34 men and women. 27 of them are actually planting brand new churches right now that our church is supporting. It's an exciting time in Cuba. And we're at the airport about to leave to go through security to get on the plane And one of the men comes up to us and he says, I want to thank you for treating us as equals. You've impacted us for treating us as equal. And I I don't know what all that exactly meant. I don't know how much baggage is there from any other Americans or American pastors that might or might not have come through in certain ways with certain airs ex- expecting certain things with a banner of America written on their chest, at least in the way they acted. I mean, that, that's what it certainly seemed as if he was saying, I don't know. But for once I thought, wow, maybe, maybe I did get it right. There's a lot of other circumstances in my life where I haven't. Could we revisit again the promise keeper rally? where I placed myself in a higher place. I was laughing this week at this story that was retold by Peyton Manning. Maybe you saw it in print or you saw it on TV, where he's talking about his first year, his rookie year in the NFL, and he's at this charity event at a bowling alley. And in the midst of that event, this guy walks up to him in denim and introduces himself as Justin and says he's a big fan, and Peyton looks at him and decides he must certainly work at the bowling alley and ask him if he could get him some bowling shoes, at which point this guy reveals to him that he's actually Justin Timberlake. Peyton says Justin Timberlake did not go get his shoes. <laughs> I was laughing at that story because it's, it speaks a lot about who we are. You know, we, we, we spend our whole lives, right, trying to figure out the pecking order. I'm an American, and, and, and my country's better than their country. I mean, We don't say these things, but we oftentimes think them, right? I've been in this company longer than anybody else. I deserve better treatment. I've been on this team longer than anybody else. I deserve more playing time. I've been in this church longer than anybody else. My opinion should count more. I've been in this family longer, so I deserve. I work longer hours, so I deserve. I do everything around this house, so I should get to. I'm the oldest kid. That chore is so beneath me. Everybody else in Flower Mound has. I deserve. It's so human nature, isn't it, to pull rank. To decide what we deserve. Jesus never pulled rank. That's what Philippians is saying here. He had all the rights in the world and he put his rights on the back burner and leveraged his power for others. Say, well, how far do we go with this? Well, uh, verse 8 and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's a bit extreme, don't you think? But Jesus left us a pattern. Relationships take precedence over our perceived rights. Did you catch that? That relationships should take precedence over our perceived rights. As he hung there on the cross, you see, the relationship took precedence over perceived rights. It's hard to imagine this, but the Savior of the world died for the sins of the person that drives you crazy or you believe is beneath you. For those that are so whacked out that you believe they are unsalvageable. If we stay focused on the belief that a certain person isn't worthy, then you know what? I'll I'll never put them first. Maybe that's why this passage has put our focus where it really belongs. It's on Christ. We're going to end here. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That ultimately relationships are the priority, and we submit not because it works, not because you benefit from it, not because it fixes the relationship automatically. Did you catch that? Simply out of reverence and respect for me, Christ says, every time that you put the other person first, it is evidence that you're grateful for all that has been done, that all that is being done, all that will be done for you by Jesus. God tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love if we are walking in that. If that becomes our reality, then you know how that happens? It happens as we are obediently stepping out in the truths that we discover in God's word. That's how we live by the Spirit. That's how we love the 1 Corinthians 13 love. What's the root of most marital unhappiness? Selfishness. When we submit to Christ and to one another, we overcome selfishness. When we submit to the Holy Spirit, He enables us to love one another with that selfless, sacrificial love. Satisfying. Purifying. Just as Christ's love does those things for the church. Ephesians 5. And it becomes an example of of how Christ wants to come to us all. Whether in marriage or not in marriage. If that's a part of the equation for you or not. It is a symbol of how deeply Christ loves us. So what do we do with this? How do we, what, what are some takeaways? I, I just put a couple up on the screen. Maybe this week we just say, you know what? I'm going to stay tied to God's word. Because I know as I do that, that I'm going to be able to walk in the Spirit. And as I walk in the Spirit, I'm going to be able to walk in love. And as I walk in love, and as I walk in joy, and as I walk in peace, here's what's going to happen I'm going to wind up being selfless with everybody, with my spouse, with my kids. I will talk to God about my current and future relationships. So I, I'm not married, but one day I'd like to be. Okay. Well, maybe having some significant conversations with God about future is really important at this point, whatever that looks like. I will go into the circumstances and situations of this week with these three words as my default. I'm going to yield. Submit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to yield. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to love. This will not be one of the most challenging of all. I'm going to look for any place where I have selfishly accelerated my own way. And I'll reverse course with a contrite and humble heart. You know, there may be places in our lives, in relationships that we have, where we have just pressed on the accelerator and the last thing that we did was yield. And God wants to take us all the way back to that why. Go, Okay. Why don't we start with submit to one another? Let me take it from there. Will you close your eyes with me? Not that we only can pray with our eyes closed, but because I'm thinking this might be a great opportunity for us to just zero in on no distractions, only God, what do you say into me tonight? Because there's no doubt there are those... Tonight, who maybe you are struggling right now being under the authority of someone, a boss, a family member, a coach, a professor, a teacher. Maybe what you would say tonight is, God, would you please, please God, give me a fresh perspective tonight. Help me walk out of here, God, understanding that submission isn't something I'm going to give them because they deserve it, but because I submit out of reverence for Jesus. That ultimately, in my undeserved state, he gave me everything. Maybe you would just say, God, thank you so much for the person that I'm sitting next to right now. I know our relationship is not perfect, but God, we are we are fellow journeyers, journeymen on this struggle. And we want you to be honored in our relationship. So God, help us in that. To love one another by yielding and sacrificing. God, thanks for reminding us tonight of what your word says. We know it's so challenging, but God, your ways are perfect. And so God, help us to walk in them, to walk in your truth, to understand who you are and to how you've made us so that we might honor you in all things as we worship you with communion, with the giving of our tithes and offerings, with prayer. And final songs sung to you, God, may you just cement in our hearts the next step that we have. As we leave this place tonight, in Jesus' name.